welcome to Harvest Birth Stories, where we support mamas pre, post, and during birth. My name is Sophie Grace, and I will be your host for this podcast. We want to share empowering birth stories across the United States and beyond, and encourage mothers all around the world to feel proud and empowered by any story that they may have experienced. Let's get into the podcast. Thank you for listening. Feel free yeah. to just jump on in and um, you can kind of introduce yourself and I guess your family, what you do, all that jazz. <laughs> all right. Well, my name is Samantha Ewald. I go by Sam. I am also married to Samuel Ewald. So we are Sam and Sam. <laughs> Everyone knows us as Sam and Sam. Um, we uh, actually met at NDSU. I think a lot of the people on the podcast have are, have some affiliation to Fargo or that area. Um, <laughs> we uh, went to school for engineering degrees. Uh, we live in Glenwood, Minnesota right now. It's a nice center point in the state to see our family. Um, I work as a civil engineer for an environmental nonprofit, and my husband is a um, machine design engineer engineer for a company here as well. Uh, we have two dogs. They're our first babies for sure. Uh, and we've got two kiddos and we'll tell their both their birth stories today. Yeah. What are your dog's names and what kind of dogs do you have? <laughs> uh, we have, we got our first one at a shelter in Fargo. Her name is Vela with a V. She's like a, she's an exact 50% German Shepherd, 50% lab. So she's fun. Got both sides of that. And then I have a silver colored lab that I train for waterfall hunting that I love too. Um, the older one's 11 and our younger one is four. So we love yeah. them. We love dogs on the podcast as well. <laughs> as much as we love babies. <laughs> well, I noticed that. I'm like, tell me, tell me about your dog first. <laughs> That's me. They're, they're in the bedroom right now because the mailman's going to come at any point and they're going to start barking like they do every single day. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was actually going to tell you before we started that if you hear my dogs barking, just please excuse that. <laughs> the same thing happens if we get any packages and I'm sitting here recording, they just bark and I'm like, well, whatever. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's kind of um, jump into your first pregnancy and kind of tell us a little bit how you decided that you wanted to have kids and how that went for you. And if anybody's listening, feel free to, you know, listen to the other baby that's in the background too. <laughs> yes. Um, so my husband and I, we had been, we just had our fifth year anniversary. So our son's like two and a half. So we were married a little over two years before we wanted to start conceiving. Um, and we did our one last trip. We did a trip to Costa Rica and, uh, some people might know there is still Zika prevalent in Costa Rica. Um, I don't think it's very, or not, it's not prevalent. It's, it exists. Um, but the cautious thing is to wait to conceive. So, um, we had that trip and that was in December of 2020. Um, and as everyone knows, that's probably some of the last time people flew on planes for a while. Um, do you mean December 2019? That's what I meant. Yes. 2019. 
Yep. Yes, that's what I meant. Um, so uh, COVID started and that was exactly the time that we wanted to start trying for a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, since we're so rural um, and just kind of our situation, we're like, you know, we'll still keep trying. We don't really know what the world is. This could be a year, two years. We didn't know. And we were just so ready to have a baby at that point that we just kind of rolled the dice and um, decided that we were still going to keep trying. Uh, For us, it took nine months to get pregnant. So um, I I think like everybody, when they start, they're like, oh, it's it's like the high school um, classes were like, oh, you can get pregnant (laughs) so quickly and be careful and all this. And then, of course, month after month, it was trying and getting negative tests. Um, At one point, I think it was six months in, we went to our clinic and said, hey, is there anything that we're doing wrong, essentially? Is there big red flags that something's wrong here? And they really just said no, like um, maybe work on some more healthy habits and um, don't like make sure that your husband's not sitting in saunas and hot tubs and stuff like that. But it really was just pretty surface level stuff at that. Um, I do remember going to a cousin's baby shower around that time too and it was very hard to be there for sure. Um, and to be fully present because you've been trying for six months. You're like, Oh, this should be the time that I'd be having a baby shower. So it, I definitely sympathize with people that it's taking, if you get those month after month negative tests, um, it's hard. It definitely is hard. I know people have much, have much longer fertility journeys. Um, but just to know that people aren't alone if they're listening and it's month after month of negative tests. Especially when you're, like, actively trying. Like, that's right. really discouraged. And, like, it's – I haven't experienced that, but it's it would be so discouraging where you get, like, two days out of a month to actually try, and then if it doesn't work, you have to wait, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and we had been really trying. I had been – there's, like, these Amazon – if you look on Amazon and look up ovulation tests, there's a giant pack of them, and I went through almost all of them, Um and so we were really trying and looking at ovulation and tracking and doing all the things and it just wasn't happening. And I know there's a, I know Michelle Obama has a book out there that she talks about her fertility journey. If anyone wants to read that, it was definitely helpful. Um, and it just says something of like, you know, there are things that you just cannot control. And that, that was really helpful to hear her story during that. Mm-hmm. So when you guys did find out, how did you find out? And how excited were you? <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, it was a pretty crazy story. So uh, in October, it was October, November, we um, go on an annual hunting trip. And so we went on that hunting trip and then um, we were just with family and we came back and we got a call that saying someone had COVID there. And so like, oh no, like, okay, well, we're not going to count this month. I know COVID messes things up. Like, we are just about ready to take a pregnancy test and we we're just kind of giving ourselves grace for that month because who knows what COVID could have done. We did end up with COVID. We tested positive a day or two later. So we were quarantining at home with my husband and his brother. Um, and I was supposed to get my period and I'm like, oh, okay, I guess COVID's delaying that. Um, but I took a test instead. I kind of just half-handedly took one just to make sure because we were going to have a drink that night because we were all quarantining. <laughs> and I went in the shower, came back out, and there was a second line. And I had to like mentally check to make sure I did not take like an ovulation test or something like that. And I was like, like I lost my breath. I couldn't believe it. We had 
just po- tested positive for COVID, and now we have a positive pregnancy test. And so I went up to my husband who was working upstairs, and I'm shaking, holding the test and showing him, and he's like, is this a pregnancy test? And he's like, no effing way. <laughs> Maybe the COVID just, like, uh, boosted your fertility. <laughs> yeah, just- I don't know. It was crazy. It's just like two positives in one day, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it it was the month that we're saying, oh, we're not going to count it. Let's just, it's okay. We'll keep trying. And then it happens. So, Aww. well, I'm I'm happy for that. <laughs> Did you say that you were with your brother or his brother at the time? Yeah, my brother-in-law was here too. So he found out literally right when we did too, because we were all quarantining. Like a COVID party. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Because he didn't want to get his fiance sick and it just, yeah, it worked out for that. And it's so crazy to think back to that time because it was so unknown. Like nobody knew how it affected anything. So, yeah. Um, So kind of, I guess, give us kind of the lowdown on your pregnancy because I know you did note some things about how that went for you in, in both of them. Yeah. Um, so to start, the we are the first of our friends and family to be pregnant. So we did a lot of Google searching and figuring out as our own. So if something seems like, oh, why'd they do that? It's because we tried our best at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was seven weeks pregnant, uh, that's when my nausea hit like just a wall. It was one day it was just there. Um, thankfully for COVID, I was working from home during that time. Um, but it was just awful. Uh, I couldn't keep any food or water down or it was pretty minimal. Um, I pretty much ate exclusively fruit. <laughs> that was a thing that I could keep down. Um, anytime I was not sleeping, I was essentially throwing up. Um, I thought it was normal at the time. Like, okay, this is pregnancy. This is what I have to deal with. Um, but at a few weeks later, I called my nurse's line for my doctor and was like, hey, you know, this just doesn't seem normal. I mean, I'm dropping weight. Um, I can't keep anything down. And they said to try the vitamin B6 in Unisom. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, let's try this. I'm excited. And I gave it a few days. It did not work. Still losing weight, still throwing up constantly. Um, it was really starting to take a toll on both my husband and I, because I was just sleeping whenever I could just to keep anything down. Um, and it was really, really hard. Um, so I called back about at a week, week 11 was the time I was like, Hey, this, this is still not working. So they, they prescribed, I'm going to butcher this, but it's, um, on dust on Dusetron. Does that sound familiar? No, I have no idea. (laughs) Look it up. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think that's how, what it's called. I think I, I get so confusing with all the drug names, um, but it was a common one that was prescribed. Um, oh, and so I, t- it's basically, it's just Zofran. Yes. Zofran. That's what it is. Yeah. I think I'm saying the technical medical yep, term. Yeah. Yep, Zofran. We'll go with that. <laughs> yes. Zofran. Um, yeah. So I had that. Um, my husband was actually working in the office and I was still at home working um, and I started taking it like the night before, um, didn't see him in the morning. He came back that night um, after work and I met him at the door and I actually had a smile on my face for the first time in since week seven. And we both were just in tears because it had been so awful. Like I was just not present. Um, and, and we just cried happy tears because there was finally something that it wasn't making me feel like a complete zombie. 
mm-hmm. um, and had actually eaten that day and could keep something down. Uh, and it was just, it, it was all, honestly a miracle for us to have that yeah. at the time. Yeah. So did it, did you still have like HG throughout? It was just like papered back or like, how did that go throughout your entire pregnancy? Yeah. Um, so the medication, it helped, but it didn't like stop. So I still threw up once in a while, but it was much, much better. Pretty much anytime I was in a car, I just made sure I had a bag with me. (laughs) Um, I, and then around 18 weeks, it finally lightened up. Um, and I did stop the medication around 20 weeks. So that was a nice relief too, that I didn't have to take it the entire time. Um, but it did stop around 18 weeks. Oh, good. Good. Um, how did the rest of your pregnancy go? I guess moving forward after that. Yeah, it was much better for sure. Um, at 20 weeks, we found out we were having a boy. I had the feeling all along that it was going to be a boy, like random dreams about a boy and things like that. Um, and my husband's family, all they have is boys. And it's like generations before a girl is born. And so it was like, okay, yep, another boy kind of knew that. Um, But the rest of the pregnancy, it went well. The only thing I had was heartburn starting at 30 weeks. I tried antacids, but they just did not take it away. Um, So I did have another prescription for that just to make sure that I could sleep because anytime I laid down, I could just feel it coming again. Oh, that is like the worst feeling ever. (laughs) Uh, and then I feel like when you're pregnant too, it's just like, it's like an everyday thing. Like yep, never goes away. Um, so how did you, did you do any sort of like preparation for, or how did you kind of imagine your first birth going and like preparation and like care providers and all that jazz? Yeah. Um, Well, we knew we were probably going to go at the local hospital here in Glenwood because the rest of the places, like a birth center or hospital, was 45 minutes away. And it just seemed like we wanted something a little bit closer. Um, Mm -hmm. And I had an OB that I had seen prior for my annual exam. So I wanted to go with her. And I really liked her. So it, um, it worked out really well that, like, that was my intention when I started regular care with her is to have her as an OB when I did get pregnant. Mm-hmm. So we had that um, for prep. I just read like the what to expect when you're expecting and other books like that. Um, they did have a course through our hospital that we took. It was like two nights. It was in person during COVID, um, but everybody was masked and distanced and everything like that. It was just helpful to know like what the hospital did and things like that. Mm-hmm. And a little bit about breastfeeding. It pretty much glazed over everything. There was nothing in depth. Um, but a lot of just Google searches and that was pretty much it. Like we didn't have anyone around us. So that's how we went through things. Did you have any sort of idea of what you wanted? Um, I just, what I know from my experience is everyone goes in, they get an epidural, they have a baby in the hospital and they get out. So Mm -hmm. at that time, that's, that's what I knew. And that's kind of what I expected to go into it with this first birth that changed a little bit, my second pregnancy for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but that's how I went in knowing, um, some of the books talked about like, um, delayed cord clamping and golden hour and breastfeeding. So I knew I wanted to do all of those pieces, but I really went in just more of that, that basic piece. Yeah. So let's kind of have you just walk us through your final weeks. And then if you want to, you can just jump right into it happening. (laughs) Gotcha. Uh, at 34 weeks, I started getting Braxton Hicks and they were just more annoying than anything. Um, and that 
um, I, I, as soon as I had that, I'm like, hey, yep, these are Braxton Hicks. We'll just keep waiting it out. Um, at 35 weeks, I got super bad sciatica pain too, um, to a point where I couldn't get out of bed one morning. I forgot to mention that within pregnancy and it was awful. I had, I must've irritated it the day before by just doing a little bit too much a little later in pregnancy. Um, but I literally had to miss work that day. It was so painful. So, uh, chiropractor movements and having my husband like roll, we used actually like a dog toy to roll. It's like a dog Kong on my back because <laughs> it just got such deep tissue, um, that it helped a lot. Um, <laughs> so I had that leading up to it as well, but I had to like really reduce my movements to not flare that up. Yeah. 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 And there's like, I feel like everybody has at some point in pregnancy and I did too with mine. And I remember going into my chiropractor and just being like, fix me. I can't walk. Yeah. Yep. And I did too. I did a lot of chiropractor work after that too. And that was helpful. Um, but at 38 weeks, um, I had the Braxton Hicks and I swear every day at 38 weeks to 39, I swear labor was starting. I didn't have any other signs of labor. I didn't lose a mucus plug. Um, nothing um, other than that. Um, but at, and then at 38 weeks, I also had a cervical check. Um, I think I was like one or two centimeters dilated. So moving, but, um, nothing crazy there. And Mm -hmm. then at 38 weeks and six days, um, every day I was like, Hey, is it today? Is it today? Is it today? Mm -hmm. Um, at 38 and six, uh, we went out on a boat ride just to keep clear head. My husband and I live on a lake. So, we went out fishing, um, but the Braxton hips started to get a little more unpleasant. And then we started timing them. We had been timing them every day to make sure nothing was um, repeatable and had a pattern. Um, but we started timing them. We're like, hey, okay, these are actually starting to have a pattern now. Um, so we did go into the house and just chill for a while, called the hospital and said, yep, this, this is kind of where we're at. I'm, I don't think it was time to go in yet based on the contraction counter. Um, but they said, yeah, just labor at home. Like you've only had contractions for two hours. Just call us if they start intensifying. Um, so we did call my sister because it was later at night. This was about eight o'clock at night. She came to watch the dogs. Um, and as soon as we called her, I hopped in the shower. And as soon as the water hit my back, the contractions just picked up. Like they were like, okay, these are not fun. Sam, get the bags in the car. Like we are leaving. Um, <laughs> And so my sister showed up, she was like, oh, like all casual. I'm like, we're leaving, bye. <laughs> um, uh, so we left um, we, we left for the hospital at 10.30. I had to actually look back at some of my notes and stuff on here. Um, and so we got to the hospital. What's nice about our hospital is that there's it's small. And so there's no like triage we have to go to. It's like you call ahead, you say we're coming, they have a room ready, you go straight to the labor and delivery room. And the labor and delivery room is the same as the postpartum room too. So you stay in the same room the whole time at our hospital, unless they have like too many births coming, then they rotate people out. But both times I got the whole room the whole time, which was super nice. Yeah, that's that's a, a big thing. Like when I gave birth to my son, they moved us to a postpartum room because they were under construction at the time. And then I think the week after they changed that. So then they just like stayed in the same room. I'm like, that would have been nice. <laughs> mm-hmm. For pain. sure. Pain. Yeah. yeah. And so we, we showed up. Um, I expected to have my doctor there, um, but we actually ended up having the on-call doctor. And this was something I was kind of upset about the hospital about is we had talked to our doctor pretty light, lightly about, hey, you're going to be there. And we said, she said, yep, I will be there for you as long as 
you give birth in this window and it was in that window. But for some reason we got the on-call OB. And I, at the time I should have pushed and said, you know, I'm pretty sure she should have been here, but I didn't want to like push on the hospital staff. Um, it turns out there was a miscommunication at the hospital and she should have been there. And that kind of put a sour taste in my mouth. We found that out after, um, but I was pretty upset about that because I had been working with her my entire time and she should have been there. And this person, um, she was definitely qualified and everything. It just wasn't the connection that I wanted. Right. And it's like, it's different if you go into it knowing that you could have somebody else, but like you, you thought you were going to have who you wanted. Yeah, that's for sure. Just like looking forward. Yeah. And so we showed up and, um, they monitored a little bit and then they did a cervical check and I had that cervical check before and it was okay, but this cervical check was incredibly painful. I don't know if it was just the state of labor I was in, if it was the practitioner, but I was crying and trying to keep in my yells. It was awful. Um, and I don't wish that around anyone, but it was just awful. And I, don't know why, but it could have been out of my control. It could have been in my control. Um, but at, from that cervical check, I was five centimeters dilated. So like, yep, you're good. You can order your epidural um, and we'll keep moving forward with that. But it definitely wasn't a pleasant experience. And I think that was the first bad taste in my mouth with the on-call doctor. Yeah. Yeah, that's weird. Especially since you had one before that and it was fine. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure why it was. I did ask questions afterwards and it could have been a lot of things, but, um, just glad that it didn't happen for my second one for sure. Right. Yeah. I probably just, I don't know. I, I can't tell you why <laughs> I'm right. not a doctor. <laughs> so this was about like 11 PM. Um, we're kind of getting everything. I call for the epidural in our hospital. I'm not sure if it's, um, common for other hospitals, but they require two bags of fluids before you get your epidural. So it takes time to get your epidural. It also takes time for them to call the person in too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose it's rural, so they have to have them come in. Yep, especially at 11 o'clock at night. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're like, oh, really? (laughs) Yep. Um, So uh, it does take some time for those, um, but I got my epidural. That went really well. The um, person that did it just did a fabulous job. I felt great. Um, And as soon as we just said, okay, yep, everyone got the epidural in, we laid down, we put on Indiana Jones. It was just the random movie that we brought stuck in the DVD player. Like, yeah, we're kind of an adrenaline high. Let's just put it on. Might put us to sleep. We might have to take some time here. Um, But not even like we were five minutes in and the hospital staff came running in and said, okay, it's time to push. And we're like, oh, hey, like what's going on? Like, like we just started like settling down. Um, And they said that his heart rate kept dropping way too low with each contraction I had. Um, So it definitely kind of started the scarier parts of this moment. Um, So we shut the movie off. We, they said it was time to push. Um, And each time that we tried pushing, his heart rate kept going lower and lower and lower. So we started pushing at about two 30 in the morning. Um, This is about an hour before he was born. And so we tried just different positions. Um, They found if I, if I was on my side, it was better, but then it still wasn't good. He wasn't moving and it was kind of getting a little stressful. I could tell that the staff was getting a little stressed as well. Um, And I really wanted to try to avoid a C-section if possible, especially since we were so far um, into labor, Um, but his cord was wrapped around his neck twice. And that was what was causing his heart rate to drop. Um, And it was just pretty scary. Um, during that moment. 
Uh, did, they did try. Go ahead. Did they, um, like, because you said you got your epidural, you like laid down, and then they just came rushing back in. Did they like check you to like make sure you were like ready? Yes. Yep, they did. Or were they just like, no, we're just going to push? <laughs> no, no, they de- they definitely checked and I was ready to um, go. And at this point, like I'm starting to like, it's just going way fast. So I had to actually like talk to my husband of like, what actually happened? What did we do here? And then, and stuff like that. But they did check um, and I was ready. So I just had a very fast labor. So, I mean, we had started at like 6 p.m. and this was 2:30, so I feel like yeah. that was pretty quick for my first one. That's definitely like very fast. <laughs> yeah, um, and so yeah, they just saw they like he was stressed and they checked me like, okay, we're gonna just try and get him out rather than like ship you to a C-section. Um, and so they we tried pushing, they tried a vacuum. They actually had to put like one of the screw like tiny screw probes on his head internally to monitor him because they kept losing his heart rate too. So there was a lot of things that they tried, um, but about an hour later, they're like, okay, no, this is getting too far. Um, we're going to do an episiotomy um, and just get him out as fast as possible because he was just under so much stress. And then as soon as they did that, the next contraction, he just shot right out at 3.30 in the morning. Oh, so did you feel any of that happening? No, I had, I think my epidural was pretty... Um, turned up. I really didn't feel a lot. I wish I would have been able to felt more of like the contractions. I was essentially coached the whole time. And Mm -hmm. on my notes, it said I was doing good pushes, good effective pushes. It just, he was not, he was not coming out. (laughs) Yeah. Did you, so what did you do like directly after he was born? Yeah. So they actually called the on-call pediatrician uh, because they were worried about him. So they did take him right away just to check him. He was Um, he had been in distress for quite a bit, um, but he ended up being really good. He pinked up really good and cried. Um, and they put him on my chest as soon as they made sure that he was all okay. So I appreciated that they didn't like do extensive testing. Like, yep, he's good back on my chest. Um, but the thing with the episiotomy, and I don't know how they classify an episiotomy versus tearing, but I had a third degree tear. Um, and so with that, I actually had a really bad hemorrhage because of the episiotomy and the tearing um, that I was starting to pass out. Um, mm-hmm. So I was on the verge of like losing the carry on my son. And so the nurse grabbed my son and tossed him to my husband and they just put oxygen on me and was checking me out. Um, I was, I had passed out and they were trying to stop the blood and get me stitched up as fast as possible. Um, so it was really scary, especially for my husband. He goes from, um, having the baby under distress to now me under stress. Um, so it's definitely a scary time for sure. And like a time where it's supposed to be so happy and joyful and right. Exhilarating. And then that happens is so frustrating. Yeah. And I was so out of it that I don't remember a lot of it. Um, but my husband does, and it definitely left a mark on him. I kind of feel a little bit bad, um (laughs) with that so after you kind of like came to and like you know got your marbles back and you're feeling a little better how did you feel I guess kind of reflecting back on what just happened at that moment oh at that moment I was just so happy to have my son there I really didn't like oh I was like oh that went great my husband's like no I don't think it went that great Mm -hmm. I'm looking back afterwards and it's like yeah that was pretty traumatic I would say like 
some of that stuff really still carried with me. And uh, I was just so happy to have my son there. I've got a picture of my son and I, I have oxygen on my face and um, I'm just holding him smiling. Like I was still out of it, but I was so happy at the time just to have him. Um, but when I go ahead, just on the high of having a baby. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so after I came to, we did our golden hour. Um, I did breastfeed him right after we, um, yeah, just had our time and it was great. I mean, it took a little bit longer for me to get back to, back to two, but, um, it was just so good. I was so happy. Yeah. So that kind of, I guess, leads me to my next question was how was your, um, postpartum and your recovery and all that jazz with him? Yeah. Um, I'm going to share a little bit of a piece after postpartum. If it's a little bit too TMI, feel free to leave it out. Um, but, uh, with, <laughs> but with, um, let me find my notes here. So with, um, the epidural and stuff. So I, I, th- I don't know how long it was after it was sometime in the middle of the night. They said, okay, let's get up and use the bathroom. I was like, okay, yep, let's go. Um, it took me a while just to sit up because the amount of blood I lost, I don't know how much I lost, but it was to the point where they were, I was borderline needing a transfusion. So I don't know where that, how many liters that is, but they were monitoring my hemoglobin very closely. I think they drew drew blood every few hours. Mm -hmm. Um, and if my hemoglobin levels didn't go up, they were going to do a transfusion, but they didn't want to, um, for one, because of COVID, um, just, I think the blood banks were pretty low. They actually had to like ship in blood. Um, mm-hmm. and then, um, it, they said it affected breastfeeding too, that transfusions could. So yeah. they wanted to just wait on that piece, but trying to go to the bathroom the first time, um, I got sat up. And as soon as I tried to take my first step off the bed, this is with assistance from a nurse and Samuel, um, I passed out and I peed all over the floor and it was just, it was awful. I passed out on the floor. They caught me. They put me back in bed. Um, so I actually had to use a bedpan for the first 12 hours because, Every time I tried to get up, I would pass out. Hmm, that's so frustrating and embarrassing. Yeah, so, like it would feel yeah. so like just like to yourself, you know. Hmm. <sighs> yeah, and it was it was really hard. We were in the hospital for three days just because I couldn't hold the baby without passing out and walking around. So we stayed there for three days. It was, but. Luckily, the hospital food and the staff are just amazing. <laughs> so I'm, I'm glad we had that support um, because even just small trips, I was lightheaded um, and winded and felt like I was going to pass out. Even when I came home, my husband and family stayed with me in case something happened because I was still just really lightheaded trying to get all my blood back. Yeah. Ugh. How did your... But, um, continue, continue on. Well, I was going to say, but Augie was, uh, we named him August. Um, We call him our little Augie. He was completely healthy. He was great. He was feeding. Um, So it was all just my postpartum. Um, There really wasn't anything crazy that went on there. And it just took us a lot longer to heal postpartum. Um, I couldn't go for walks right away and things like that, but just a lot of lounging and healing, um, a lot of, um, with the dermaplast spray and Epsom salt baths just was really religious on it. Um, but it did take what I think a lot. Now I know a lot longer for me to heal, um, than I expected for sure. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure once we get into your second too, there's going to be some like differences in how 
that one went versus your first one and yada, yada, yada. Um, how did your breastfeeding journey go with Augie? That went, uh, I think it went pretty well. He definitely dropped weight right away because my milk didn't come in super quickly, but when it did, then engorgement, oh, that is, that is not a fun time to get through that. Um, but we did breastfeed till six months. When I did go back to work after 12 weeks, I noticed my supply was just going down. I don't know if he was needing more and I couldn't do that, or if it was just not being next to him, but my supply went down and down. Um, so I exclusively breastfed for six months and then we supplemented and used our stash for the rest of the time, but it was frustrating because I wanted to go longer. Um, but it just, it wasn't working no matter how much I pumped and what I did, I could not get my supply up. And at that point, you just gotta say, you know, this is just better to get him fed and that's how we're going to go. Yeah. Well, that's still awesome though. Even to do six months, even to do a month, even to do a week is amazing. (laughs) Yeah. I I am glad we got that far though. Yeah. So let's kind of jump into when you decided you wanted another, and I guess um, how you made the decision to go about your second birth a little bit differently. For sure. Uh, We decided to have our second. uh, Our son was about a year. He's a little over a year old. Yeah, it was like or two years old. Sorry, not not a year old, two years old. No, wait, year old. Oh, my gosh. I'm getting, he was a year old. Wow. My brain is still, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) He just turned two. So our, our kids are 25 months apart, which um, when we decided we wanted to try to conceive for our second one, I did get my copper IUD taken out. And I really liked that because it was a non-hormonal way for us not to get pregnant right away. Um, But I did get that out. Um, So we started trying. Go ahead. I lost you for a second. (laughs) Oh, sorry. Yeah. Am so I good of, now? No, you're good now. Just kind of like rewind. Um, okay. When he turned one, you decided he just turned two. <laughs> yes. Yes. So when our son turned one, we're like, okay, we want our kids about two years apart. So maybe we're going to start trying again. And our first pregnancy, it took nine months for us to have a baby. So we're like, you know, we're just going to start trying. And then if it tastes long, we know, we know it's just, it can take longer. Um, So I got my copper IUD taken out. I did have that between pregnancies because I didn't want to have a baby too soon. Um, And I liked it because it was non-hormonal. So if anyone out there wants a non-hormonal option, I really liked that copper IUD. I don't think I've ever heard Um, I have heard of that. Yeah. (laughs) Continue. (laughs) Uh, But uh, surprisingly, it did not take us that long to get pregnant. It was only two cycles and we were pregnant, which surprised both of us after it taking taking so long for the last one. So that was really exciting. Um, The pregnancies were really similar, um, but the same thing happened. It hit seven weeks and the nausea hit like a storm. But I was like, cool, I have medication. So I started taking that, um, but it wasn't working this time. Uh, So I, I gave it. I gave it a few weeks. I gave it two weeks. This was going into the holidays now with Thanksgiving and I pretty much slept through the holidays. It was essentially, I didn't have any medication at all. It felt like, so I called my nurse line again and they said, okay, let's try something else. And I, I did not grab the name of the medication, but it started with an M that's all I can remember. <laughs> mm, okay. I'll, maybe I'll look it, it up. Was- Keep chatting. <laughs> it, yeah, it was another um, common one. If you just Google medication from, um, that's that was the other common one. 
and it worked much better. And it was so funny because it was the same kind of nausea, wasn't any kind of different, but one medication worked one time and then it didn't another. So it was just, it was definitely odd that that happened, but I am glad we found that alternative medication. Is it metoclopramide? <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it is. It's that one. <laughs> I got to look up what it is. Uh, I'm just, I'm a weirdo. I just like need to know these things. No worries. Reglan. It's Reglan. That's what it is. Reglan. Guys. Yep. Yeah. There we go. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. And so that, that Reglan worked great. <laughs> good. Good. Okay. Continue on. Continue on. <laughs> mm-hmm. And and it was nice um, to have just that option and be back again. Same thing. It didn't take it away completely, but it definitely helped out quite a bit. Um, And same thing happened is that it went away at like 18 to 20 weeks. Um, But before that, we had went to Hawaii. I had actually changed jobs. There was a lot going on that I still was throwing up for, which it's Uh, not fun to throw up on a plane. But, you know, I was going to Hawaii, so... (laughs) I know. It's like you look at the end goal. <laughs> the end will be worth it, but it still sucks. I feel like anybody that has been through any sort of pregnancy with nausea and whether it just be like, you know, first trimester nausea or like HG or where it like goes through the whole pregnancy, like, you know how debilitating it is because you literally spend like if you think of yourself having a hangover, OK, that lasts a day, right? And then you're, but like pregnancy nausea, it like, it's like a forever hangover. It just kind of like never goes away. It's like, you know, that the, like you have literally weeks and months to deal with it. And that's, what's so debilitating and isolating about it. Yes. You nailed it. Like with that description, like it, it's seriously, when I'm pregnant with that, not that nausea, it takes a toll. Um, and this time it took a little bit more of a toll. I don't know if it's because the back-to-back pregnancies or what, but this pregnancy, um, the second one, I, de- I developed post, not post, but prenatal depression and anxiety. Um, I, even though the medication helped when you're still throwing up every day and you're exhausted, it, I think it's, that really triggered some of that. And then it did carry with me all throughout my pregnancy. Um, and I'm, I'm excited to talk about this next part. Um, for one, it didn't happen my first pregnancy. I did not have any of these symptoms. Um, they, there was just days that I just felt awful. Like I just wanted to be in bed and just done and stare at a wall. Um, and that was the time I was like, Hey, I definitely need help with something. This is getting a little too severe and I, I'm not able to cope with it. I think that was the biggest trigger for me. Um, normally when things get hard, I am able to like go do things outside and work out hard and, um, a lot of stuff you can't do when you're pregnant. Um, and so I think that also didn't help for me to cope through some of it. And so when I talked to my doctor, they did put me on some medication. Um, I think the abbreviations SSRI, does that sound familiar? Yep. It's just, um, SSRI is like a group of um, antidepressants and anti-anxiety medications. So like there's a bunch of them within this group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, they did put me on one. Um, again, I can't recall the names. I'm awful with the medication names, uh, but it actually made me not sleep. And so I tried it for a few days, but I could not sleep within. So I stopped it shortly after. Um, and I had some highs and lows. It wasn't anything that was consistent. So I stopped it and was doing pretty good for a few weeks. Um, but then I was listening to your podcast and I didn't listen to 
them in chronological order. I kind of jumped around. Um, but there was a podcast with Christina, I believe her name was. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and she is a um, perinatal mental health specialist in Alexandria. Yeah. <laughs> and so I heard that podcast just a week or two after. And I was like, oh, okay. There is someone literally in my backyard that can help me with this. And I really relate to her on this podcast. I'm going to try and get an appointment with her. And I had tried to set up other therapy appointments with other providers in the area after I kind of had some of those lower times, but wait lists around here are incredibly long. And there's very few people that are in the perinatal mental health field. And I really wanted to focus on that. And so it was almost like, a, oh my gosh, this information just came to me. Like, this is, this must be what I have to do. It's like a sign in a way. Oh um, so I did get on her wait list. Um, she also had a, um, a wait list. And just like everyone else, the wait lists were extending beyond when I was even due. It was like now was the time I would be getting in. So at least I was on a wait list in case something happened for postpartum as well. Um, but just a week or two later, I ended up getting an appointment with her and I saw her throughout my pregnancy and just saw her yesterday for um, a session as well. Oh my gosh, that that literally is like, I'm just smiling ear to ear over because <laughs> I'm just like, you listen to the podcast, you heard of Christina. I'm like, yay, this is what it's for. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it was so nice to have that support. I'm really glad I did it. Um, and if, and it, for me, it took a long time to like jump and say, yep, I need some help. We've got to do something. Um, but I'm really glad I did. And if anyone's thinking of, Hey, you know, maybe I should get some help, just jump take that leap and do it. Cause I'm really glad I did um, mm-hmm. just to have someone to talk through some of that stuff with. Oh, that's awesome. So you, you're still seeing her now too. Yes. And I actually had my last appointment with her. Um, uh, we, I don't have any more schedule because the, the pre- um, prenatal depression, anxiety, just, it, it went away as soon as I had our daughter here. And I think a lot of it is I'm back with my coping strategies and um, I'm able to just um, when you're pregnant, you really can't like let go of anything because they're there all the time Um, where I'm able to find some breaks. Now I can hand her off for an hour so I can go do something and just get a little bit of step away time. And that's really helped me out quite a bit. Um, But I'm glad I still have her there as a resource in case anything pops up. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So, um, for this pregnancy birth, aside from the mental health aspect, which I'm super glad you talked about, how did you kind of decide to change up your birth plan for this one? Mm -hmm. Uh, This one, I had started religiously listening to your podcast and the birth hour. I loved listening to birth stories. And that was my biggest way to gather information. Um, Between this birth and my uh, this one in Augie's birth, I had two, uh, a sibling and a sibling-in-law also had babies. So I got a little bit more exposure with it. Um, but again, pretty similar, like epidural type stories, um, mm-hmm. at a hospital, really similar stuff, but just listening to other stories helped open me up to all the different options that are out there. And then from opening and hearing that I would start researching other things with it. Mm, that's awesome. So how did you, or what did you decide to do this time around? Yeah, this time around, it about, I can't remember. So I knew 
my OB was actually going on maternity leave towards the end of my pregnancy, but she was supposed to be back uh, for when I was due, like the two weeks before I was due. So I wasn't too worried. I just saw another OB during the time um, and it was going okay. But then I found out that she was extending her maternity leave and that I was not going to have her at my birth, which I, if someone wants to do that all to them, but it definitely caught me off guard. And I was like, okay, now I'm 37 or 36 weeks pregnant and I have like, I'm not having the person again that I thought I was going to have just like last time. Yeah. But, um, with this, I was looking, I was with another OB, but, um, I had some bad kind of feelings come up again, just like in the pit of your stomach kind of feelings. I was actually measuring, um, that fundal height, I was measuring a little bigger. And so they wanted to do a ultrasound just to see what was kind of going on and make sure everything was good. This was about like 36 weeks. And I, they, they said, yep, yeah, we'll give you a call. And I waited a whole week and no one ever called me. And so I called back and I was like, Hey, should I've been doing something They're like, Oh, that doctor never sent in the request or updated your chart. And I was like, Oh, okay. Well, what if that didn't happen? And like, it kind of gave me the bad feeling of, okay, I really don't want a doctor to be missing something and then have that affect me. Um, so I did decide that I did not want to see that provider again. Um, she was great. Um, nothing else, but I just, I didn't want something missed for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if you don't have, you know, you have to have good vibes. Like you have to have good vibes all around. Just, you know, juju. I don't know what the word is, but like moms just know best. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't want to just go in unknowingly again this time. I wanted to be really comfortable at it and know what was going on. I'm someone that just, I'm a researcher. I want to know things. Um, and so this, I just didn't like the fear of the unknown with it. And I had actually been talking, I've been seeing a chiropractor this whole pregnancy because I did not want to have the sciatica pain again. And his wife was pregnant. He said, oh, we're seeing uh, the midwife there. I was like, oh, I didn't even realize there was a midwife at the hospital. And they said they just heard so many good things about her. Um, and, and so I called my nurse line. At this point, the nurse I had the nurse for my doctor, her and I are pretty close now because of all the calls I had been giving her with the nausea and things like that. And I was like, I was almost in tears calling her. I'm like, I'm 36, 37 weeks pregnant. I really want to switch providers. Can I even do it? And she said, we're going to get this done for you. Like this shouldn't be happening. And she did everything for me. This, she hung up. She said, I'll call you back and confirm everything. She made all my appointments. She transferred my files to this new midwife. It was all great. And what's nice about my hospital is they, and what I did find out is every week, the midwife and the OB staff, they meet and they discuss all of the births and people that are coming up so that if someone's on call, they kind of know what's going on. And they talk, they, they pretty much just have meetings every week about labor and delivery and all the people going through it. So that was nice to hear that they're all on the same page, at least. Yeah, well, that's awesome that the nurse just kind of like was like, I'll figure this out for you. I'll do it. Cause like, yeah, it has to be a lot of like paperwork and whatnot to like switch everything around. Right. Yeah. And I was like, I just, I don't know what to do. Tell me what to do. And she's like, I got it all done for you. And it was so nice. And so that next appointment I met with the midwife and I just loved her right away. She was just, um, so down to earth. And I essentially had to re-ask all the questions all over again. Like, what's your preferred styles of things? What happens if this happens? So it was just a lot of trying to get back on the same page again. But uh, what I did, 
and because I had the midwife, that made me rethink too of like, okay, like I've heard a lot of people do unmedicated births and other like um, least intervention stuff. And because last time I had so many interventions and so many things happen to me that I wanted to be more in control of this, this time around and just have least interventions and try unmedicated. Mm -hmm. Um, the first time I mentioned unmedicated to my husband, he is like, no way. Like last time was awful with an epidural. Like, (laughs) I'm really sure you want to even consider this. And, um, it took a lot of convincing because he's not listening to the birth hour with me and stuff like that. So he was definitely caught off guard a little bit when I did say, you know, I want to try unmedicated this time. <laughs> That's so funny. My husband's the same way. He's like, I don't know why you want to do that. You're crazy. <laughs> he's like, give me as many drugs as possible. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, for us too, we knew we only wanted two kids. Um, and so mine was like, you know, this is our last time. I don't want to go out out of here being like, God, I wish I would have tried the unmedicated side of things. I wish I would have done something different. Like, let's just do it different now. And that's mm-hmm. the mental mentality I went through it. So on my birth plan, I did put unmedicated. I also had on there, I wanted to do a water birth at our hospital. They do allow water births and they have a tub in one of the rooms for it. So that was my, um, my first preference for everything was do an unmedicated water birth with my I midwife. Love I love it. I love it. Especially with your like, um, history of episiotomy, like water birth is probably a great uh, option for you. Yeah. And that's what I was thinking too. And that's exactly what my midwife thought. So it was just a good plan going into it. So how did, I guess the last, you know, you, you this is the last few weeks because you changed yeah. late, but how did the last, you know, week or so go and like leading up into this birth as well? Mm-hmm. Uh, everything was really similar. The Braxton Hicks started, um, and both times I had no other signs of labor besides Braxton Hicks. Um, but at 38 weeks, I did have a cervical check and that was like a centimeter and a half dilated. Um, I really thought this one was going to come even earlier. Um, and so we wanted to be planning ahead. So that's why I opt in for the cervical checks, but I really hadn't had any movement at 38 weeks and then 39 weeks hit. And at this point I had already had Augie. And so I was getting like kind of frustrated. I was like, Hey, when's this baby going to come? Um, and we did a cervical check then too. And I was at a two or two and a half there. And so I decided to let her sweep my membranes. Um, and I'm glad for that, um, at this point, because at 39 weeks, I think it was 39. Yeah. 39 and one, it was when we did that appointment and that was the day your daughter was born. Yeah. So bring us into, I guess, how this went and um, what was the speed of this labor is my first question. (laughs) (laughs) This one, this labor started at 4 p.m. and she was in her arms at 9.30 p.m. Wow. What a dream. What a dream. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, So we did know this could be a fast labor again. Um, I did lose my mucus plug um, later that day or that Oh, now it's kind of getting fuzzy. Um, yeah, I had my check. I lost my mucus plug and then, um, contractions. So I had a appointment that morning at like, it was pretty early, probably like eight or nine lost my mucus plug and then contractions, same thing happened. The Braxton Hicks were going in the evening, but I was timing them just like I had been for the last week, but they were starting to get a little more intense and they were starting to actually get a pattern. So same kind of thing happened. I was working from home. I had to end my Zoom call and be like, you know, I'm going to like stop talking now. and I'm just going to go try and labor. <laughs> so I was working from home as much as I could um, up until pregnancy. 
Um, and so each day too, it was like, for us, you got to find someone that um, can watch the kid. And another thing we were having too is my mom was going to be present for this birth. It's something she always wanted to do. She always watched um, like the TLC birth stories growing up. I can't remember what they were called. Maybe just TLC birth stories. Yeah, that's so funny. Um, so it was always like a dream of hers to like watch a baby born. I'm like, you know, I really don't care. Like you should come and enjoy this and be with us during it. Um, we didn't have that option during COVID. It was a lot different. Um, so she was able to come this time. So we had everyone ready, like bags packed, ready to go because my mom lives an hour 45 away and our in-laws live an hour and a half. And so we had to be really careful of like, okay, we got, we need you here now type thing in case labor was fast. And so, um, at four o'clock I was like, you know, is this it? Is it not? And my husband's like, just call them, get people here. It's okay. They can go home if it's not. Um, so we called everyone in, um, and my mom and the in-laws, I'm pretty sure they definitely went above the speed limit, but they got here before six 30. Um, and that point we, as they were coming here, like, yep, this is real. This is moving faster. Um, but as we were timing contractions, they still just, they would go and like not be super consistent in length or time, but they were still getting more intense. So there was no like, yep, this is exactly how it should be like the five one one or something like that. Yep. Yep. Um, but they were definitely picking up. And so I'm just like laboring on a ball and I could breathe, like breathe through them easily. Um, so we just thought we had a little bit of time, um, but when everyone got here, they started really like I had to be careful and like like not talk through them. And they're starting to get more intense. And mm-hmm. my husband was like, "We are not having a car birth. Like I know this is going to be fast." And I'm like, "No, let's just stay." He's like, "No, I think we should go." Yeah, and, he's a smart man. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty common for like the husbands to be like, "No, let's go, let's go." <laughs> yeah, for sure. Like regardless, they're like, "We're going now," and like, yep. I was like no it's fine <laughs> yeah um so we everyone got here and we left right away um and so it felt really good just to have every everyone here we're all ready and so we left for the hospital about 6 30. um my mom followed behind us we got to the hospital i was like let's take the long way around the building because i just wanted to walk and be outside and not be in the hospital room um but we got there and they monitored us and I found that I was five centimeters dilated again. It was almost exactly what we were last time. Um, but it was so different this time because they monitored and like, okay, you're able to just get up and labor around. I'm like, what? I'm not tied to this bed with IVs and stuff. It was so weird. So different mm-hmm. this time. Yeah. I suppose. Cause you didn't have like your epidural or anything. You could just, just go. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and so my plan was, you know, I'm, I'm doing great. Like I can breathe through them. We're doing good. I'm just going to wait this out. And if I ask for an epidural, I'll ask for an epidural. Um, so the, what, when he got there too, um, it turns out that I was the fifth birth at that hospital that day. Mm-hmm. And they normally only have like one or two most. And for some reason that day, there was five births within 24 hours at my hospital. <laughs> so many. And, for them yeah so the staff was just like rolling out like cleaning rooms quick and stuff um but what happens with um multiple births is that there's only one birth room tub there's only one room that has that and someone else was already there so I did not get 
the water birth that I wanted, sadly. Shoot. Well, maybe you can put in a suggestion box that they should put them in the room. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, and and I knew that going into it. They did say like, if someone's already there, then you can't. And so I kind of knew that. And I liked that they like gave me that warning too. Um, so it, it was disappointing, but I wasn't like super sad about it. Mm -hmm. um, just kind of going with the flow. Um, but I did, every room does have a jacuzzi tub, just not a birth tub. And mm -hmm. so I, I, as soon as we did monitoring, my mom braided my hair and I hopped in the tub, um, which was super nice. It was just like the shower on the first birth story is it just relaxed me so much. Um, and I was able just to take each contraction in the tub. My husband was DJing on my phone. Like, he's like, oh no, next song, or let's just relax and talk through it. Mom got me cold towels and the staff kind of just let us do our thing. But we were only in the tub uh, like a half hour or maybe an hour. Um, and then the contractions started picking up and I was like, okay, um, we might still have a long ways. Like, I, I think I want that epidural. So we did just casually call and say, Hey, we want an epidural for the nurse and she said, okay, I'll get that put in. And then as soon as she left, my water broke in the tub during my next contraction. And mm. oh my gosh, that's when it started like, Oh, this hurts. This is not fun. Tell the nurse my water just broke because they wanted to know if that happened. So um, what, how did that feel like <laughs> when you had it break in the tub? Well, I had listened to birth stories and the only reason I knew it broke is because I had heard how other people's did. And it was like a pop, like it was a pop. And then I felt pressure kind of relieved a little bit. Um, and that, and as soon as it happened, that con the contraction just that I was in, I could feel a whole lot more as soon as it broke too. I suppose. Yeah. But I, I've just always wondered like when people lose their or break their water in the, in the bathtub, I'm like, how do they know? Cause they're already in water. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was almost like an under like if you would pop a water balloon underwater, like that's what it sounded like. I know that sounds really like that's really specific, but it was like you could hear something pop under the water Interesting. and I could feel it in the tub, too. So I'm I, from what I'm gathering, you had baby too fast for an epidural. That's my guess of, of what happened. <laughs> you nailed it. So, yes, um, it's called for that epidural water broke in the tub and then. When that, when that contraction lead, I was like, I feel like I have to poop. And I've heard like, when you feel like you have to do that, that's probably close to time where you need to start pushing. And so I told that to the nurse and they're like, uh Oh, we're getting you out of here right now. So I think they kind of thought the same thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, so we got me out and on the bed and these contractions were just hitting me a lot harder now. Um, and so they actually had a nurse. I don't know if she, I think she was just a regular nurse, but she, was almost like the head of nurse of labor and delivery. She's mm -hmm. like, I need to check you right now. Your midwife is delivering another baby as we speak. And so she was about ready to check me um, to see how dilated it was. And then my midwife came in. She's like, okay, ready for this baby. Like she had just delivered the one on the door next to me and came in to deliver mine. Um, so again, a lot of births going on. Um, and so she checked me and I was at eight centimeters right after the tub. And she said, okay, let's just labor a little bit. Um, we're, we're getting you, they had connected me with an IV and fluids. So in case there was time, they were going to give me the epidural, but I'm pretty sure everyone in that room knew that I was not getting it. <laughs> You're like, I'm the only one that didn't know. <laughs> yeah. I had a new in the back of my head, um, that, that I wasn't getting it. Um, 
but as soon as I they checked me and I was at eight, I looked at her. I was like, I'm not getting that epidural, am I? And she's like, I don't think so, but it's still coming. <laughs> Um, uh, but, uh, what, what ended up, go ahead. Sorry. I said, I'm just laughing with you. Go ahead. (laughs) Um, I, I, so we were in the bed and I was on my back and I labored through one contraction. I'm like, oh, this is awful. And I was like, what position should I do next? Or I was like, kind of asking the people like, whatever feels best. And so, I was like, well, what are my options? <laughs> and so I tried um, on hands and knees and that felt really good. I'm um, just laboring hands and knees on the bed, but I was definitely putting a lot of pressure on my arms. And so they brought this like U-shaped blow up thing. Um, it was, it must be like a niche birth thing. It wasn't a birthing stool, but it was like a U-shaped blow up. Have you ever seen one of those? No, I'm trying to, I'll, I'll have to look it up while you're talking. Yeah. Um, and that was awesome. So it was just, it was probably like a foot and a half high. So I was able to just lean my entire, um, arms and top over it while I labored on hands and knees, but supported by this thing. And Mm -hmm. it was, it was a good position. I felt good. Of course, the contractions were not easy, um, to go through, but I was able to get through them. And something my midwife has said, and that really helped me during it was, find find the relief between contractions like look forward to that next one find that relief like between them so that you can get ready for the next one and that helped a lot just to say yep i'm gonna breathe when it's not hurting and that helped quite a bit Mm -hmm. um you can do anything for a minute that's what i always say (laughs) yes um so that that was uh good and then i started feeling really like like pushy like i was like okay i think i'm I think I'm ready to push. And they checked me and they're like, yep, you are complete. And this was about, um, so we got out of the tub at 7.30. Um, no, it's 8.30. We got out of the tub at 8.30 and she was here by 9.30. So this was like probably a little after nine is when I was like, hey, like, I think I'm ready to push. They checked I was complete. Um, and before I, and so I tried pushing in that position. And as soon as I like tried pushing, that fetal ejection reflex hit me like a wall um it it was like again I'm glad I know these things because I was listening to birth stories but it was essentially I was in a contraction I was pushing but then there was like this afterburner push that would kick in that was so painful that I had no control over um and that's when I knew I was like hey yep this is definitely game time I know exactly what's going on Mm um but I didn't like pushing in that position it just felt like it put a little too much pressure on the front and that was more painful for me and so I switched to my back and that was a lot easier to go through with that and my husband told me this last night that I didn't realize I was doing but apparently during this last hour I was narrating what was kind of going on just that was like my coping mechanism I was like okay there's another contraction this is what I'm feeling and just talking through it. And then I was like, Oh, that's the fetal ejection reflex. And just (laughs) pretty much narrating my entire story of what I was feeling. (laughs) You're like, I know what's going on. Yay me. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Um, and Sam's like, what is all these things? Whatever kind of thing. Um, uh, (laughs) yeah. Um, but he was at my head the whole time, just, um, being there for support. It was awesome. I needed just his focus and, that was, it was great to have. My mom was taking pictures during it, um, staying on the other side and it was just good. Um, and then it was 
so I was coping pretty well until the last 20 minutes. And just that whole last part of labor, I was yelling. My husband said, like, I, he quotes, truly animalistic, like almost <laughs> roaring in a way. Um, like my eyes were like, just like a little bit of panic. I definitely told him like, I can't do this at some point. Uh, it was definitely the most pain I'd ever been in for sure. Uh, no doubt about that, but it so, it was so short that, um, I I'm glad it was just a short period of time. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, I pushed that fetal ejection reflex kept going. I pushed on my back and she came out perfectly healthy within a few minutes of pushing. Love that. So how did you, how did you feel right after you had her versus your son? Well, I definitely felt a lot more present for sure. Um, which was really nice. She went straight to my chest. Um, they weighed, they waited to weigh her and do all the things, um, until I had her, um, just on my chest and ready, delivered the placenta. Um, I did have a first degree tear on this one. Mm -hmm. Um, and so they did do some numbing agents and then, um, my midwife did put a few stitches in. Um, but at that time I was just really ready to close my legs and be done and (laughs) just move on. Um, but it took a little bit for that. And they did, um, a few things, just check her temperature and stuff on my chest. Um, but it went really well. It was just so nice to be present and have her there the whole time. And again, just so dang happy on that high of birth. And, um, it was great. And then immediate postpartum, I, I think it was like a half hour after I was like, okay, we're going to do this again. I'm going to get up and try and go to the bathroom. And I barely need any assistance. And I walked to the bathroom with a little bit of assistance and felt great. And it was just so different. Good. Do, do you feel like you got your redemption? A hundred percent. Yes. I know I had asked for the epidural and all of that stuff, but I'm just so happy the way it went. Um, even this recovery, it's just so different this time around. Like, um, even the people like my parents and stuff were saying, you just look so much better. And I felt so much better just because I didn't have the blood loss. I didn't, I could walk around right away. You name it. Yeah. You didn't have like a, a, a giant cut from a human being. Yes in your areas <laughs> um, yes so this was about a month ago correct yep she will be four weeks old this week this goes by so fast so how are you feeling like mentally physically all the things now after this one yeah i i truly just feel amazing i don't know if it's because i'm comparing it to my last birth but Um, I'm able to do more this time around physically, um, mentally, I feel great. A lot of, um, almost all of the, the depression, anxiety is lifted. Um, I mean, when I get little sleep that things get a little hard sometimes, but, uh, that's normal to be with the newborn side of things, but, um, being able to just do a whole lot more than I ever did at the last pregnancy and, um, feeling a lot more closer to normal, a lot quicker for sure. How is your feeding journey going this time around? Do you decide to do the, kind of the same thing or what's your plan for this time? 
Yeah, I did. We decided to do the same thing, um, breastfeeding. Both the kids lashed really good in the hospital and then stayed really good. Um, I had a little bit more like nipple pain and stuff this time around. Um, she just, she's not, we, we went through some lactation and it was just getting her mouth in a different position and that worked out really well. But yeah, breastfeeding is going good after that fun engorgement <laughs> time and week. Um, but yeah, we're currently nursing and she gets a bottle once a day just to try that and get her used to that when we need it. But it's going really well. That's awesome. Do you have anything else you'd like to share with anybody or any resources or words of wisdom that you would like to share? Oh, gosh. Um, For one, I don't know if I would have survived doing an unmedicated birth if my uh, labor was a lot longer. Um, Mm -hmm. But I am really glad I got to experience that and just feel everything and be in control and feel so much better afterwards. I think um, I really didn't know anyone that did that and did unmedicated and just the outside resources. I think listening to the birth hour and your podcast really helped me just get another perspective on things. Um, the one thing I will say too is, and I don't think you hear about it a lot, but it's really important for us and it helped us out a lot to know your health insurance and know what was covered and know plans and stuff because you can really save thousands of dollars by knowing what's covered and what plans do what with birth before you get pregnant. So if anyone um, can, like, if you know your health insurance, it can save you a lot of time and frustrations. And I think that helped us out a lot that. Um, it sucks because it's not fun to look at, but if you do, I think it's definitely worth it. Right. Yeah. I would never even think to look at something like that. I'm just like, it's, here's the card. Let's go. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. So if one, even if it's your husband or you, if someone knows the health insurance and looks through some of the documents, it, it definitely saved us quite a bit of money. And I'm glad we were in control of that as well for both of our births. But other than that, um, I just wanted to thank you for, being such a resource it's nice to listen to your podcast because everyone's just so much more local um and to hear even like hospitals that i know of or um i was able to share your podcast with other people and they found things they liked on it so i just love that you do this so thank you for keeping like to have it out there for us as resources in the area well thank you you and everybody else that like is on it because it is like a a commitment out of your life to like go and sit and talk to me for an hour. (laughs) So I'm glad that everybody shares their podcast. And I have done like surprisingly a lot in like the Alexandria area, which is just kind of funny. Yes, I love it. So well, thank you so very much for joining. Um, I guess that's all we have to say, right? (laughs) For sure. (laughs) Well, I I hope there was pieces that um, I had that you haven't had in other stories or there was something someone can relate to at some point. Oh, I love it. I love all of it. I love every birth. It doesn't even matter what it is. I love it all. (laughs) Yes, I think I've I've definitely gotten to that, too, of like now that I've experienced it, I love hearing others birth stories. And um, yeah, yeah. (laughs) just share with me. Tell me what happened. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I'm not anywhere like my profession is not anything to do with anything. So it's almost like a side hobby for me in a way now. <laughs> yeah, because you said you're a civil engineer, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So that's like water and roads, concrete, yep. <laughs> stuff <Right>. like that. <laughs> nothing mm-hmm. medical, nothing like that. Very, very point blank. 
And I am realizing I never said my daughter's name. I just like her name is Honora. <laughs> oh, what and your son is Augie, August. August yep. and Honora. So yes. love it. Do you call her um like do you have a nickname for her too? Because you have Augie. Yeah, we call her Nora. Yep. Cute. Love. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'll cut you off now so I don't take any more of your time. But thank you very, very much for joining. And I'll see everybody in the next one. Mm -hmm. Sounds good.